It's a weird election year. Every campaign stop is online, even with the racist. I see an opportunity for us to really get to the root cause of, of some of these problems that are festering under the surface. It's an issue about, you know, racism and the fact that there are pockets in our community where this does exist. And we need to talk about and work on how we improve things moving forward. That's U.S. Representative Johanna Hayes of Connecticut. A few people hijacked her campaign meeting on Zoom with constituents in Newtown. They hurled racist slurs at Hayes, Connecticut's first black congresswoman. Hayes' campaign has not been the only one targeted. Zoom bombers have also threatened Congressman John Lawson and his opponent. Facebook and Twitter have taken down a photoshopped image of a statue of Christopher Columbus holding Congresswoman Rosa Dolores' severed head. I'm Ebon Udana, WSHU senior political reporter. I try to make sense of local and national policy by talking to the people who are directly involved. Next on Capitol Avenue, we look at how the Connecticut GOP are holding out hope to flip the state red this election. That's a tall order for J.R. Romano, the state's Republican Party chairman. We are at the bottom of every economic measure, not because of Donald Trump, but because of every decision that's been made by the Democratic Party in the last 10 years in Connecticut. The stakes are also high for state Democratic Party chair Nancy Donato. I think it's been very clear this time that it really is the most important election in our lifetimes. The future of our country is on the line so we can't let each other down, and that it's very important that everybody comes out to vote because it is really we're in a battle for the soul of the nation. What's driving this year's election is national politics. Connecticut is a blue state that voted against President Donald Trump in 2016. In fact, Trump has not visited the state since he campaigned here four years ago. Ron Schering is a political scientist at the University of Connecticut. He says the toll of the COVID-19 pandemic has defined Trump's legacy in the state, as state Democrats have seen their fortunes improve. For many years in Connecticut, the Republicans were making steady gains. That came to a halt and was reversed in 2018. Democratic Governor Ned Lamont's handling of the pandemic has been a stark contrast to that of Washington and his approval ratings have doubled. People aren't talking about things like tolls much anymore. And so I think that there's going to be a natural return to the Democrats from those who had left the Democratic Party at the legislative level uh, a few years ago, and then did begin to return in 2018. Uh, so I would anticipate the Democrats would continue to do well. The pandemic has made an uphill task for the Republicans that much harder. They've tried to push back on state shutdown orders that curb the spread of the virus. And they've condemned universal absentee ballots made available during the pandemic. The GOP's Romano says the state is not prepared to handle hundreds of thousands of mailing ballots. Connecticut as a, as a state is not set up to do this in a way that, that gives confidence. Uh, for example, the Democrats often talk about the other states that do mail-in ballots. Uh, I think it's Washington State, for example, took 10 years to roll out their full plan. We've never done this before. The state primary was a challenge with ballots not received in time and some delays in the mail. 
Donato with the Democrats says the system is fine. She blames President Trump for discouraging people from voting absentee. She says she's most concerned about voter suppression. The Republicans have been absolutely silent on so many of Trump's behaviors, like refusing to condemn you know, white supremacy. What I am concerned about is, and we have seen it in a few places, where there has been you know, violence and destruction of campaign stuff. Democrats are also concerned that Republicans will listen to Trump and watch the polls. There are no statewide races on the ballot in Connecticut this year. No gubernatorial, no attorney general, comptroller, secretary of the state, nor treasurer. However, the whole General Assembly is on the ticket. The races to watch our seats where Democrats could increase their majorities in both houses and obtain supermajorities. Romano says that would be bad for Connecticut. The larger the majorities in the state of Connecticut, I can absolutely tell you the worse it's been in terms of saving Connecticut. We've lost jobs, we've lost companies, and that, that's just the reality. Donato says there's nothing wrong with a supermajority. Connecticut tends to be a blue state, a very blue state. Uh, we're proud to be a blue state and that we uh, will continue to work to elect Democrats up and down the ballot. The reality for political observers like Schering is that it will be a tough election for Connecticut Republicans. It would be a shock of cosmic proportions if the Republicans took Connecticut at the national level this year. Five congressional seats are on the ballot. In the first congressional district, Democratic incumbent John Lawson faces Republican challenger Mary Fay. John Lawson is a... Uh, a well-entrenched incumbent who has been there for more than two decades. The Republican campaign has been thus far virtually invisible, so I would expect no change whatever. There's a three-way race for the 2nd Congressional District held by Democratic incumbent Joe Courtney. Justin Anderson emerged as a Republican candidate after his opponent dropped out following a domestic violence arrest. Thomas Gilmer was arrested the night before the primary election, Police say Gilmer allegedly beat his former girlfriend in 2017. There was quite a discussion about whether that had, should have come to light and whether what would happen if that candidate did indeed win that primary. I'm sure to the relief of the Republican organization, he did not. Cassandra Martineau is the third-party candidate in that race. Another longtime incumbent, Democrat Rosa DeLauro faces two challengers in the 3rd Congressional District. Her Republican challenger, Margaret Stryker, has uh, largely self-funded her campaign, loaned her campaign a, a great deal of money, and, and we'll see if she expects any of that to be repaid. Stryker has the most money of any Republican challenger this year. She's lent her campaign $500,000, still much less than $1.5 million DeLauro has raised. Justin Puglino is running as a third-party candidate. In the 4th Congressional District, Democratic incumbent Jim Himes faces Republican Jonathan Riddle and Independent Damon Carretta. This is a seat that in years past was the swing district and uh, was the last congressional seat to go for a Republican in 2006. Himes won in 2008 and has held the seat since then. 
there does not seem to be any likelihood that uh, that he would lose it this time. And then there's the 5th Congressional District. Democratic freshman Johanna Hayes faces Republican David X. Sullivan, independent Bruce Walzak, and the Zoom bombers. I think the racist attacks, everyone on the call was mortified. Coming up next. My name is Charles Lane. I'm a reporter here at WSHU. Last summer, I started looking into the closing of a rundown motel in the Hamptons on Long Island. And the deeper I dug, the more disturbing it became. What I found was a secret campaign to rid the Hamptons of the places where Latino immigrants lived. This campaign stretched from a small civic group through Southampton town government and all the way to the White House. The story is called Every Town, and you can listen by searching your podcast app for Every Town, or you can click the link in the show notes to this podcast. U.S. Representative Johanna Hayes has taken it in stride. She's kept her campaign online even after the Zoom bomb. The company set her up with better online security to block hackers. She says it's better to be safe than sorry. I wanted these meetings to be an open space for even if someone was critical of me or disagreed with me, they would have the opportunity to ask me their questions. That's not been the only hardship in her campaign. She tested positive for COVID-19. My family has been affected by COVID twice. So it has been a really, you know, windstorm of a first term. Her challenger, Republican Sullivan, wished Hayes well and condemned the bigoted Zoom bombers. However, Sullivan says Hayes, a freshman in Congress, is out of step with the district, even though she has a huge war chest. She's got the money, but you know what? I've got my presence in these towns. Sullivan is a longtime retired federal prosecutor. He's been teaching law and financial crimes at Connecticut's colleges since the 1990s. He says his conservative views are more aligned with the district than Hayes and the Democrats. We've had one voice representing all the people, not just to the 5th district, but the entire state of Connecticut, and that voice has only moved farther and farther to the left. The district is very rural and 80% white. Hayes, a one-time National Teacher of the Year, is black. I went into these communities, and you talk to people versus people, and many of them share my values, and we have the same ideas, and we want a better future for our children. Hayes has served on the Education and Labor and Agriculture Committee, areas that, she says, serves the interest of her district. We passed a $100 billion school infrastructure package to rebuild the crumbling infrastructure in our schools. During this pandemic, we saw how important that was because we have schools that don't even have HVAC systems that are properly functioning, or the water's not clean, or the windows don't open. All these things are important to our community. In a debate, Sullivan accused Hayes of siding too often with progressives and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So I voted for the Speaker of the House so that we can get to business and get working on the job we went to do. No, you went to Congress and you made a pledge to the people that elected you at the time. You were the one that represented you wouldn't vote for Nancy Pelosi. No one was twisting your arm. Sullivan also accused Hayes, the wife of a Waterbury police detective, of not supporting law enforcement in the wake of protests following the police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. 
Connecticut passed a sweeping police accountability law in response. Hayes says U.S. House Democrats also took action. The bill was done in consultation with police officers, chiefs around the country, law enforcement agencies. The bill that was passed at the state level is not a congressional bill. I am a congressional representative. Well, I think it's also important to note that uh, with the House bill, Nancy Pelosi did not uh, seek any um, guidance, assistance, or counsel uh, from her Republican counterparts, which has been a big problem in Washington and in the House of Representatives. Sullivan does support police reform, specifically a bill sponsored by South Carolina's Tim Scott, the only black Republican senator. The bill never went to a vote. Hayes pushed back on the idea that she has not delivered for her district. She says the HEROES Act, which she voted for in the House, is the best chance for her district to recover during the pandemic. We had a housing crisis. We had a homelessness crisis. We had people who couldn't get access to testing. So for the people who think that that's pork, I can tell you that the people that were calling my office every day begging for assistance in the middle of a global pandemic, if our federal government can't step in now, then what is, what is any of our use as elected officials? The biggest problem for Sullivan might be the top of the ticket. He thinks he will do well because the 5th is the only Connecticut congressional district that Trump won in 2016. It was a war against socialism. It's also a war against Marxism. And I believe that the future of the republic is at stake in this election. Um, Connecticut was suffering before this pandemic economically, and we need to find a way out of it, and we need a future that's brighter. I believe in the rule of law. The independent candidate in the race is Bruce Walzak. He says he's running to try to bridge the gap between the parties in Washington, but he's raised little money. Clearly, bipartisanship is the biggest threat to our democracy right now. Hayes hopes she has the formula to hold on to her seat. I unify people. I bring people together and build things up. I'm not asking you to to choose a side, to choose whether we support the police or the black community. I'm not trying to scare people by saying, you know, your suburbs are going to be invaded. What I want you to know is that when we talk about health care and the economy and schools, the social unrest, about jobs, about immigration, I'm somebody that's going to consider all perspectives. And she might be in the best position because she's the only one running television ads in the campaign. Sullivan's plan is to hit the pavement door-to-door despite the pandemic. If you ask political observers, Connecticut Republicans want to take back as many seats as possible. If you ask the party heads, the Democrats say no way, while Republicans try to gain footing. If you ask Johanna Hayes, she's not taking anything for granted. This was a a really tumultuous first term. I went in during the longest government shutdown. We had impeachment proceedings. I had to set up an office with no staff. And then we've we've been, a third of the time that I've been in office, we've been in literally a, a lockdown. But David Sullivan sees a different landscape. I've talked to a lot of Democrats and unaffiliated voters who are voting Republican this year. Uh, they don't want socialism. This is Capitol Avenue from WSHU Public Radio, making sense of local and national policy by talking to the people who are directly involved. If you care about our community, tell people about our local news. Spread the word by rating us on your podcasting app. 
This episode of Capital Avenue was produced by J.D. Allen. WSH's web editor is Dave Eisenstatter. Terry Sheridan is WSH's news director. And Tom Kuzer is WSH's program director. I'm Ebong Udama. Thanks for listening. Until next time.